for my love is like a red, red rose. Hello and welcome to the Arts Respond, a Create Contribute Change production. I'm Anna MacDonald. Today I'm delighted to be welcoming a very special guest and someone that I know well, photographer and artist Craig Stevenson. It's always a pleasure to catch up with him and find out what he's doing as he lives out lockdown in Paris. His journey to get there has been amazing. So without any further delay. So welcome Craig. Hello, hello. So again, cars on the table, Craig. We have known each other a long time. A very long, very long time. Worryingly long time. Yes. <laughs> worrying, isn't it? <laughs> we were in fact at school together and have actually followed in a weird way quite parallel I'm going to call it career a career path mm-hmm, I think that's mm-hmm. fair yep. um because you were a lawyer for quite a few years and then and then um to say change to photography but I think decided that you needed a whole a change focus, in focus career, but everything and and I don't know about you but I get asked a lot about why how where when I decided to make that change mm-hmm Yes. And I'm, I'm wondering a little bit about what your answer is for that. <laughs> um, yeah, like, like as you say, like I, um, I, I was working in corporate law really for 12 years. Um, after qualif- qualifying, um, I went to Strathclyde University, then moved down to London, sort of immediately on qualification. So I was kind of in in the law um, for 12 years between a law firm and working in house for EDF. Um, so. I wanted to. All that time, I was taking. I was doing photography on the side. I was taking photos for people's weddings, for friends' weddings. I was taking headshots of actors and models and various other people. Um, and I just wanted to see if I could do it myself. I wanted to see if I could um, sort of live off my own career, um, off my off my own passion. So I decided to take that career break. Um, and it was intended to be a, a career break, um, but ha- it has been more fruitful and more exciting and more freedom and everything else that you associate with being freelance and uh, an, an artist in your own right. Um, so, ah, yeah. yes, the career break. That, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember I remember thinking that well. Um, one of the things, though, again, in, in researching, in, in doing my background, doing my due diligence on you, Craig, one of the things I realised was... I don't actually remember us ever talking about when you picked up a camera. Now, when when we were at school together, that's right, at school together, um, you were very into acting, and I was very into music. Um, yeah. And I wonder where, when did you first pick up a camera? Were you always doing that, and I just didn't know about it, or or what? What's the story behind? Yeah, I think. Behind I think. Yeah, I think uh, photography as a sort of passion, as a, a profession, more so started when I moved to London but way before that um dad my dad was always like um, an amateur photographer a very good amateur photographer and um he was always encouraging me to do my own thing and then we always there was always there was always a camera everywhere we went on holiday there was always one of many cameras um floating around so I was always interested in taking photos and then when I was at university um mum and I randomly um did a night class in photography together um and uh we just continued from there so just really um always following in my dad's footsteps to sort of um 
develop it as a passion like I, I didn't ever really spend time myself in indoors playing i never had a computer console i never I very, very rarely watched tv I didn't read books that often and um, i always wanted to get out get outside and sort of take photos of things so it was more kind of um, a passion for a young age i think and there's obviously there's sort of two issues we're juggling here there's the career change that you made but also there's this sort of development of your um your eye in terms of photography because mm-hmm. it's one of the great mm-hmm. mysteries to me in <laughs> what makes a really good picture and yeah. you actually um you do portraits you do events you do you know weddings you you're, you're a real master of capturing the moment and I wonder can you learn that is that something that you learn or or do you just practice and get better is it that sort of vibe no I think well I think there's I think there's two things I think there's, there's artists who I admire um have a very distinct style and a very like um you've got Mar- martin parr is a very uh, good example good example of that because he uses this kind of um pop of color and very kind of um urban photography sort of street photography style um and i really appreciate that but i can i can i can understand when people say but it's just people it's just photos of people it's just photos of old ladies sitting on a bench eating ice cream and but i love it it's just so, so such a documentary style to have so people can have an eye for a photo and in this day and age when everyone's got a camera phone and everyone's got a smartphone um which has very advanced technology anyone can be a photographer but not everyone can be a a photographer whose work sells or not everyone can be a photographer whose work everyone enjoys because as as with most as with most art forms a very subjective um a very subjective uh, art form so interesting i i mean from what i've seen i think the the biggest thing that I think the the most amazing thing about the way that you take photographs is that how you make people feel that comfortable and how it's it's actually not about you not being there it's actually about you being there and being part of it just um in a yeah in a different way I'm not really very sure how how best to describe that um so you got quite into photography you came to London and were given the opportunity and and the means to go out and explore it a little bit you took a a night class and there's still a fair bit of a step there between that (laughs) and deciding to leave your you know your career um to go and do this professionally so what what were the steps there that happened um yeah so the when I when I first moved to London um I had sort of a good network of people. So I joined um, a London Independent Photography, which is a kind of group of like-minded photographers that want to kind of advance their their own um, portfolio, as it, if it were. Um, and they meet, they meet regularly in people's houses or local bars and so on to discuss um, the latest exhibitions or show each other their work. So I had that kind of inspiration and um, sort of, People, people supporting me and push, pushing me on in my own photography. So whilst I was in London, I was really um, inspired to do more work myself and be a bit more artistic and a bit more challenging of, of myself. Um, and through that ne- through that network, I also got the chance to um, exhibit some of my work as well. Um, so when I first sold a piece of uh, a piece of my photography, that was like, oh, okay, this mm. could be this could be something interesting that I could, I could play with. Um, and it was always really just a hobby that I was doing alongside my in my legal career, um, but as things progressed, I was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe I could I should try and do this properly and make make money out of it. At that point, it wasn't really a a viable career change as such compared to my um, what I'd qualified in and what I was working in. 
um, but I wanted to give it a go anyway. Um, so certainly there was there was always that uh, d- desire, sort of pipe dream that I wanted to to live off my photo- uh, photo- photography uh, salary and photography passion. It's so interesting, isn't it, how meeting with another, with a group of like-minded individuals cannot just um, inspire you, but really start to sort of widen how you view what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. And was that, how did the, the first exhibition of yours I came to see was the gold leaf, was the... Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, was it? Was that up in Brick Lane? Were you with... That was the one in Brick Lane, yeah. Yeah, so that was, um, so, the, so, the, so the, the, the gold leaf one is actually another, so the, the photography group, the London Independent Photography, was more uh, pure photography, if, if you like. So I was a member of the Shoreditch, um, the Shoreditch group within uh, London Independent Photography, and um, that was more focused on kind of street photography, certainly within Shoreditch, it was more kind of street photographers, fashion and so on, whereas um, other groups within, uh, within the network um, focus more on um, documentary or social do- uh, documentary and so on. Um, the, the Gold Leaf one you referred to is actually another art collective called uh, the Exhibition Collective or EXC. And they are a, um, a group that started about seven or eight years ago um, again, there's a group of about 12 or 13 artists that all get together and once a year um, they host an exhibition based on based around a particular theme and the artists from each of their um, within each of their medium sort of interprets that theme how they um, uh, how, how they see the particular um, theme or uh, category um, so it's really interesting to see how many different art forms from sculpture to painting to graphic design to photography in my case um, how they can all, interpret the same theme but in very different ways um, so that in itself was quite inspiring to see to sort of push each other on and see how each other can um, adapt almost um, to a particular theme yeah the depth is incredible just when you're talking about the sort of documentary side of you know just the photographers group and then talking about yeah. this other collective where you had sort of multidisciplinary interpretations mm. of the same same things incredible um, what made you choose gold leaf <laughs> um, that, that particular that particular exhibition and um, the theme for that year was alchemy um, and I was I was racking my brains on how I was going to make uh, this, these black and white photo- photographs or even color photo- photographs my standard at that time and my 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 niche as it were um, was uh, to uh, sh- shooting street photography so there's very little kind of interaction with gold leaf in that respect um, but I happened to be up in uh, a place that we both know and love, mm. uh, the Isle of Skye for someone's wedding. Um, and I managed to take uh, some landscape uh, photos of the beautiful, incredible landscape uh, of Skye. So black and white uh, photos of the Black Coolins, for example. Um, and in my head, my inspiration then was alchemy or literally the, the process of changing base metals into gold. I was going to apply that to the base metals and minerals within the landscape of sky. Um, so I sort of taught, taught myself how to gold leaf and I um, made my first three three originals for that exhibition. Which um, are so it was, absolutely gorgeous. I've, I've got a print of one of those and I love it. Thank you very much. Um, and the exhibition and the collective uh, sort of that kind of grouping, they're also really important as a way to learn how to share your work. And I, I mean that, yes, co- commercially, but also as, as you've been talking about within within the collective so you can inspire and, and build off what each other is doing. But one of yeah. the, the big things I've certainly learned in terms of being an artist, an artiste, is that 
it's yeah. not just about the work that you make it's about getting your work out there oh 100 yeah yeah for sure like the um just I think networking... maybe learned about about that no absolutely the, yeah, i think i think the, the, the network honest, issue think networking is kind of and a, building uh, both your support network to, and twofold sort of, from, uh, from my perspective network. i think using your social network to um have a yeah, support this supporting, is supportive team around you is, is really important anyway as an artist um to sort of give you validation and be honest with you and tell you what you what works and what doesn't work um in terms of sort of professional network and um, being able to get your work out there i think um particularly in the exhibition collective i've found that everyone all artists and every member of the group brings something else to the group so we had a graphic designer that was able to do the posters we were we had um, people that were uh, more advanced in social media so we were able to uh, use the kind of that platform a bit better um and people who had run events before so everyone have their own things that they can bring to the party as it were um so working and collaborating with others um is a, is a massive help and it makes you more aware of what what skills you have and what skills you might be lacking that you should improve on if you wanted to have then your solo exhibition um or put your work out there uh, yourself afterwards and um, so i think network has been a massive massive um element of the whole process for me um i i, I felt i felt having spent 12 years in law that i was um I was run, running my course and just, just biding my time within law, but I was always quite a good networker and I was able to talk to people and get on with clients and other uh, other colleagues. So I think that's one one of the, my sort of transferable skills that I did bring across into my new career. And one of the things you talk about um, in terms of your law career was the reason that you spent so much time in, in France was because of your um, French language skills. Yeah. Was I mean, I feel like this was a, um, contributing factor to you moving to Paris but was there anything else that really you know inspired you to want to move there? Um, I think one of one of my kind of biggest regrets in life when when I was at university well we, we, we both studied um, French at school obviously but then at university uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry um, but when uh, at university I, I didn't study I didn't ever do Erasmus myself so when the Erasmus students from Italy, Spain, France came across to the UK and studied in Glasgow. I um they either I either hosted them, they stayed at my place, or um I would take them out for drinks or I would organise social events for them. So I kept up my kind of conversational uh, pub French as I call it, um uh, at university. But then when I started working for EDF, I kind of had the opportunity to um and the and the business case to learn it uh, sort of with a, a teacher because um because I was more one of the more senior level uh, people in the team and I was managing the team uh, when when the, the directors and the, the um, head of the team wanted to send someone across to kind of talk to the to talk to the lawyers and talk to the directors in France they would send me not be, not because I knew much better French or conversational French but it, it just to have that kind of uh, link with the, the the our colleagues and partners in in France the the, the meetings ended up speaking fluently in English anyway but it was just uh, that added added uh, added connection. So I always had that sort of affinity with France, and I wanted to uh, put put wrongs the right of university and finally live here for good. And um, so that's why that's one of the reasons I, I moved across. And you've really, I mean, you've really made it your home. Um, you know, I've been over a couple of times to visit you now, yeah. and um, I haven't and yet again, been on one of your and art again tours soon. again soon. Well, well, yes, I should hope so. Although I have to, I have to find a spare month so I can quarantine each two weeks. Each week. No problem, no problem. Nothing happening here anyway. Um, but I've not been on one of your art tours yet. 
But tell me about uh, how yeah. they started and and I mean I'm sure it, not only has it helped you get to know Paris, but it's also helped yeah. you get to know some of the art that's happening there. For sure, yeah. Um, so this is this was another productive uh, uh, product of product. It was a it was a, a, a product of uh, confinement here in Paris. Um, we we had I think we had a slightly more strict um, confinement than you did in the UK, and we were only allowed out once a day. We, uh, when, when we did manage to get out the house, we had to fill in a certificate to say why we were out the house. Um, just in case we were stopped by the police. Um, so I spent a long time in front of my computer or do, doing my yoga or learning not to make sour bread, sour, uh, sourdough bread. Um, <laughs> uh, but one of my one of my sort of things that I wanted to do was um, sort of future-proof my, uh, uh, my life at, after confinement um, because photography had stopped. Um, I, I'd been work, helping a friend in a bar and then obviously the bars were shut at the time and they are again now. Um, and so I wanted to say, okay, well, what, what can I do and what can I do that will excite me and make me want to go to work and want to um, pass the time before I find a proper job, in inverted commas, um, and, and, one of the, and, and that was uh, street art and walking tours. Um, I had started doing like sort of historic walking tours before confinement. Um, but uh, I'd always like really like been inspired by some of the street art and the murals and the the art scene around Belleville, where I where I first lived when I came to Paris. Mm. Um, so I basically researched all the artists. I knew I knew the big pieces, the big murals that had been out up for forever. Um, so I researched the artists, worked out a route, um, and it's been going really well since confinement. I've been out every weekend. I'm now um, I'm now officially on Airbnb as a an experience to do to come wow. to Paris. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been going really well, and I, I, I love it because um, one of the big pieces um, by a, a French artist called Seth, a graffiti artist, is a huge, beautiful mural um, painted on the pillars of this uh, sort of viewpoint overlooking the whole of Paris. And I was on the tour last week, and we came up to this uh, the Belvedere in Belleville um, above the park, and um, someone has, or I assume the authorities have painted over the entire mural. Um, I, I assume with a view to commissioning a new piece, um, but it was just um, unlucky timing that it was on, on, <laughs> on, on our route as one of the pièces de résistance of uh, of the tour. Um, You're like, this is snowstorm on this a white a, wall. This is a photo of what was here last week. So it was good though, because it, it meant we could talk about sort of the ephemeral nature of um, art and especially street art in Paris. Um and the sort of etiquette of whether you can tag over someone else's work or whether um, the authorities are actually commissioning works like um, Banksy or Invader, um, whether these huge murals or um, huge graffiti posts and uh, commissions are actually authentically um, uh, street art, sort of guerrilla street art, or if they're actually commissioned by the authorities to bring more people to the area. So it's quite well, interesting. I mean, I have to ask: Can you tag over them, and are they commissioned? <laughs> um, well, so, so I, I think Banksy, Banksy, in my opinion, is a very, very good artist. I, I really appreciate Banksy's work, but there are there are um, there are naysayers in the community that say that some of the plate, some of the some of the pieces have appeared just coincidentally on um, uh, buildings where they want people to come and come down and see. Like there's one, there's one in, there was one in Bristol on the side of a, a, a bar and they actually put plexiglass over the piece so that mm. no one could tag over it and it, beca- it then became a sort of tourist attraction um so people when when artists like banksy gain notoriety 
it, def it definitely does increase the sort of footfall and increase the the number of people that come to that particular uh, building or uh, area. Um, so I think there is an element of um, the authorities turning a blind eye to what is otherwise an illegal activity just to um, increase the increase the economy of the area. Um, uh, can you tag over other artists' work? Um, uh, yes, I know. And, and, and on the tour, we talk about um, the, the free tagging walls, which are basically um, spaces where the authorities have allocated that people can paint and put up their tags and do mu murals. Um, and some of them are absolutely beautiful, some really powerful pieces. And um, there's one, a famous one by the Citra Art Crew, um, which is a mural to the late uh, Stan Lee, the creator of Marvel Comics. Of course, yeah. Um, and that's been up there. He, he died in 2018 and the mural appeared within weeks of him passing um, and it's not been touched. There's not a single like graffiti or even just a, 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 a biro pen over it, and whereas mm -hmm. the rest of that free tagging, tagging wall changes on the daily. Um, so it's quite interesting where there's a uh, a well-known art collective or a well-known graffiti art uh, team, as it were, or the Citra Art Crew, um, where they are they are known for their work, so people don't touch their work, whereas unknown artists have their work painted, painted over like yeah. that. Yeah, so interesting. Mm. Um, the the tour thing, I can really imagine. I mean, I, I think I would, I would, I would, I would, I would love to come on a tour with you. So I'm excited about that. That can definitely be on our itinerary next Done. time I come over. And what will also be on the itinerary is your new exhibition, which is at the Pure Malt as well. Uh, it is, yeah. So the, so the Pure Malt um, is the bar I was talking about. And I'm, I'm helping out my mate and we're working there. Um, partly because when I first brought over my um, Albanach Alchemy series, the gold leaf work we were talking about before, um, that was the first exhibition which you kindly played at at the, at the uh, launch. Oh, that's um, a pleasure. Such a great bar. No, it's a great, it's a great place. Um, so it's the only Scottish-owned whiskey bar in Paris, um, and uh, I've I've now got my second exhibition there just now, um, called Dune the Water, um, which is compared to my kind of more fine art photography gold leaf work. This is more kind of pop art using some found uh, sort of vintage photos from my dad's holidays when he was five years old when he went Dune the Water to Rothsey. <laughs> so it's a, it's, a, it's an an interesting but very personal piece for me. And I, I've I've seen um, bits and pieces of this here, yeah. um, and you've you've again, like you say, you've used kind of pop pop color pop art. Any any particular inspiration for taking them and and um, sort of changing them in that way? Um. Yeah. Well, I think I think. What, by my art, so my 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 career is my photography career. My photography business is kind of divided into two. So I've got my sort of my salaried photography business, which is more kind of um doing the kind of corporate events and so on, and the, the creative work, which I don't want to be able, I don't want to have to rely on. So I keep as my kind of as my passion and try to create as much as possible. So I think my inspiration for doing work like that is using photography and photography is a running theme in all my artwork i don't really do any other artwork that's not photography based mm -hmm. um but i loved doing with, with the exhibition collective in particular i did a, a few workshops with them and um, with other artists who work a lot a lot in collage and um, some some artists that use some found images whether that's magazines or uh, photographs um or indeed ar other artists work um and i think changing changing photographs to be more contemporary or um, even taking photographs 
contemporary photographs in a kind of old, an older style, like a Renaissance style, has always fascinated me how you can sort of mix medium within the one image. Um, so that's really that's that was really my inspiration for this. Um, as, as I say, I think it is a it is a very kind of personal exhibition. This one because it is more um, photos of my dad and his family. Um, uh, and I think our our our, our friend Abigail uh, Reed um, actually picked up on it as well because she she had done a research project at the um, Museum of Transport or the Maritime Museum in Glasgow, um, looking de- at sort of the culture and the sort of the history of going doing the water. So she was quite interested in the photo the the, the, the base the base images the vintage photos, um, so it was quite interesting to see her reaction to it as well. Yeah, I can imagine she would have been in a wee shout out for Abigail who got her picture in the paper this week for her great saw, work at the Maritime I, Museum. I, I, I saw that, I saw that. Buying, buying a bottle of whiskey, no less. She doesn't change. <laughs> Some things never change. Now, <laughs> speaking of change, nice yeah. segue there. Um, nice. So it's 2020, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And yeah. we've, you know, I think we've all had time to consider, um, I think a lot of different things. One of the silver linings, if you like, of this moment in time has been that a lot of the white noise in the background of our lives has really calmed down for a while. Mm-hmm. Um and certainly it's got me thinking about how the arts as a, a community can respond to this moment, by which I mean it's a real opportunity to introduce change, assuming that our goals are you know, to be more inclusive, to be more diverse, to have a more equal playing field. What do you think the arts can do as a sector, as a community, to create create an environment where that's possible? Well, Just I a think... small question there, Craig. No, no, um, no I... Um... It's one I have been thinking about quite a lot, actually. Over over conf- again confinement. I don't I, I don't I hate talking about um, confinement, but it has been it has given me a kind of a fresh perspective on a lot of this, um, and made me realise I'm a lot more resilient in myself. So it's it's been a good it's been a productive it's been a productive few months. Um, one thing that did come out come up during confinement was um, uh, UNESCO actually launched uh, a new sort of global movement um, called Re- Resiliart. Um, so it's re- re- be- being resilient within the arts, um, as it were, and there was there was a, a virtual debate which launched it um, with a number of artists, um, uh, filmmakers, uh, directors, writers, singers from from around the world, um, and it was really interesting to hear their kind of take on it. And so they, they talked about a number of um, uh, different things, whether that was from um, uh, like co- copyright issues, like how how the the arts industry responds to this loss of revenue. Like I think one of the one of the stats they gave was, um, the 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 cult- cultural institutions are closed or were closed during the sort of height of the pandemic in 128 countries, um, and the global film industry in itself recorded a, a revenue loss of seven billion U- U.S. dollars, um, so. On one hand, you've got this like um, all these different industries, creative industries that have been impacted very, very severely, and with the artists themselves being out of work, struggling to pay bills, um, losing time and talent and uh, training, which they could otherwise be doing. Um, but at the same time, from my perspective, maybe perhaps glass glass half full perspective is that during during a pandemic you've got time to think and you've got time to create so in the next maybe year maybe two, maybe maybe it'll be two years we're going to have this abundance of great films amazing music some really talented dancers singers and people all coming through because they've had that time where they've not 
had the opportunity to work and be distracted by going to the pub, going to uh, going out, going out to partying, and have had time to sit down as I have to reassess like what the, what they're doing, retrain uh, like um, retrain and improve their art form, and be creative. So just the, having that time and space to be creative um, will, will will pay dividends, I think, in the next few years for everyone. What the governments and people in, in authority and people in power can do is listen to how much we actually need those arts. Because I think, for, certainly speaking from my own perspective, um, mental health is, uh, just we've just passed Mental Health Awareness Day, um, Mental health for everyone at the moment is on a tightrope because everyone's mm. everyone's experiencing and dealing with um, loss in some cases, uh, loss of jobs, unemployment, um, financial issues, and not having not not being able to uh, go and work in the theatres or bars or clubs or whatever. And I think being able to be resilient as an industry and as a collective. And push our, our lobby our politicians and lobby people to say you need us because the one thing that kept me sane during confinement was listening to music, um, talk, talking to other artists. Um, I, I I worked with some of the artists from the exhibition collective to have an online exhibition, oh, um, nice. and we brought and we brought all those artists together to work on this online exhibition, which we then promoted and we launched it online. We had a virtual kind of interview with each of the artists and then we had, each of the artists had a, a day that they took over the Instagram account and promoted it some more. So working with each other kind of gave, gave inspiration to us all and we were able to push forward with that. So the sooner politicians and people in power realise that you really need the arts, the more fruitful and uh, lucrative the career and the economy is going to be. So it's a, it's a really interesting take on that. So it's, it's the 12th of October that we're recording that on. And, and Craig, I'm not sure if you're aware, but there's been a bit of an outcry in the UK because the government have released a series of adverts, to be fair to them, one of which features a um, you know a ballerina, sort of a very high... That, yeah. Have you seen it, the, this campaign uh, yeah. that sort of suggests yeah. she should reach in, in cyber? And whilst it sounds as though the direction that came from was not meant to be directly... Um, facing the arts industry has come at a very unfortunate a very unfortunate yeah. moment um and we do have some great mps who are really who are really pushing to support the yeah. arts um but it does it does feel like this government in particular is a little complacent with that Agreed. Um, i don't know how it feels in france um i think there is there is an element of um I think I think no, not not wanting to stray too much into politics purely yeah. because I'm, I'm purely because I'm ignorant to politics. Um, I in France certainly in my my local politics certainly let's 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 put it in context. So I've been working with um, another kind of string to my bow. I've been working with So Far Sounds um, mm. as part as part of their um, sort of global music network, and um, I take photos for them. I work with their social media accounts. And um, as part of the kind of revitalization of the cultural and arts scene within Paris, um, the mayor and Hidalgo um, announced that there was going to be this fund where um, they would support um, concerts or arts, uh, arts events or um, uh, cinemas or m- music events generally. And um, people could apply for them and they, they get a, effectively get a grant to pay the artists, pay the venues, um, uh, 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 all the administration that goes along with that 
and it's been a kind of it's been a really refreshing take compared to some of our our own experiences in the UK, where they're really pushing for the revitalization of sort of cultural um, uh, the cultural industry. Um, so that would be really nice to see if we could get that kind of support across all industries across the sort of global network um, and that's one thing that i was mentioning the unesco Brazilian arts uh, movement that's one thing that they really push for is to have this kind of global context to really bring all creative industries across the world together because we really can learn from um, different countries i mean that sounds like a move to paris for all of us should, uh, <laughs> should be in the near future you're, you're, you're so close it's just a nip across the water just across the water um Craig, this has been amazing. I'm going to finish off with just a quick fire question round. So four quick questions. Are you yeah, ready? I am okay. ready. Who has been the most influential artist in your life? In- influential artist in my life? Um, yes. I, I would say uh, Dan Hillier is an artist that I love. And he uh, he uses this beautiful found uh, illustrations um, and gold leaf in his work. So there's a hint of gold leaf uh, coming through my original um, artwork that inspired me. Nice. What of all of the projects and exhibitions that you've been involved in, which has been your favourite or which have you found the most meaningful? Um, I think randomly we did one... Um, we did one as part of my uh, f- uh, another photography collective. Uh, it was called London Twenty Four Seven that I founded back in twenty sixteen. And um, we did a kind of lot of so- social documentary series f- photographs, and we did one which um, there's five five of us in the collective, and we all shot um, nightlife in or, in and around Hackney. And it was just after Hackney's council Hackney Council decided to close down or at least restrict the licensing of new businesses in the area, which kind of killed the nightlife effectively. So we hosted that um, exhibition at Biddle Brothers in Clapton and we got a lot of support from local smaller venues, which in this in, in the context that we're in just now, in the environment we're in just now, is even more even more necessary to have those smaller venues to encourage artists back to back to work. So important, isn't it? Who was your favourite teacher at Grave High School? <laughs> Mr. Lanigan. Always Aww. Mr. Lanigan. He, um, I, met, uh, I met him um, a oh, few really? years ago. Yeah, it was really lovely. Yeah, he was. Um, so he was our English teacher, and he was just such an inspiration. He, um, he, uh, he always kind of. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was just a very kind of. Um, he pushed us to really think about our work from a creative perspective as well. Just I'm, in my head, I'm thinking of the work we did on Shakespeare, and it was always really kind of, what's your take on that, and what's your inspiration, and how can you make it yours? And that was really something that uh, a sort of life lesson that I took forward into all my kind of artistic endeavours yeah he's a great teacher wasn't he makes such a difference Mm -hmm. um one piece of career advice you would give to somebody in either of our situations of changing career (laughs) um be stubborn and don't give up um, there is very challenging, especially if you go into kind of freelance, um, <laughs> moving from the champagne lifestyle of a, a lawyer as into a poor artist living in Paris. There are going to be challenges, um, and you just need to be more resilient. You need to you need to be proud of what you do and um, be confident in what you do, and keep on pushing forward. Um, one of my one of my friends uh, recently gave me some advice, and he started a, a, a life coaching business, um, Jack Ravel, and one of the quotes he used very very aptly um, about optimism and um, still always pushing forward and always adapting was the people that um, think see the glass as half full or half empty are missing the point the glass is always re- refillable 
um, which Such I thought was a good a, quote. which I thought was just a beautiful quote. That um, <laughs> you, no matter no matter what life goes at you, whether you're having a bad time or a good time, you can always change paths. Um, so yeah, I, I stick to, I stick to that. That's that is such a nice piece of advice as well, isn't it? Um, can you just before we say goodbye, can you let us know the details of your latest exhibition and where people can find it about your art tours? Yes, certainly. Um, so the exhibition itself is on at the Pure Malt, which is in Saint Paul in Paris, um, and my artwork um, and art tours are on Airbnb experiences. Or you can check out Craig R. Stevenson Art on Instagram. And like you see, Instagram, Facebook, you have all of you have all of the socials so people can find you on their preferred platform. Indeed. Thank you. Craig, such a pleasure. Thank you so much. As always. Thank you very much, Anna. Lovely to speak to you. It is always such a pleasure to speak with Craig and I strongly encourage you to check out his work on all of the social media platforms. Also, The next time you're passing through Paris, definitely book in for an art tour with them. I know I will be. Thanks so much for listening to The Arts Response, a Create Contribute Change production. Don't forget to rate, subscribe and share. And until the next time, be well. For my love.